Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of This Show is All About You. I am your host, uh, JDK Winnikin, and this is a show about all the ways in which you and me connect as we and what that means for all of us. If you'd like to find out more about me, you can find out more at my website, wordsbyjdk.com, and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, Welcome to episode 27 of this show for July 12th. 2021. And uh, last week uh, over the 4th of July weekend, I hope you all had a nice uh, vacation uh, weekend. Uh, I kicked off a month talking about freedom, a uh, very broad term, as I talked about last time. And so uh, we're going to be talking about various ways to understand freedom in all of its forms uh, throughout the month. And so uh, today's show, we're going to kind of kick off by looking at it in one specific way. And today's uh, show is titled On Past Times and Pastimes. On Past Times, two words, and Pastimes, one word. Uh, and so uh, the, the haiku for today is probably going to give you a, a clue as to what I'm probably going to spend most of the time talking about today. And it goes like this. A crack of the bat, organs playing, crowds roaring, our summer's soundtrack. A crack of the bat, Organs playing, crowds roaring, our summer's soundtrack. And yes, I'm talking about baseball. Uh, And yes, today we're going to be talking about baseball will be at the center of this discussion about freedom. I know that sounds like a little maybe two weird things to put side by side, but hopefully I'll connect the dots for you. Uh, But it could be really about whatever it is for you that really resonates in you in terms of feeling free. For a lot of people... It can be being outdoors or being with family and enjoying, you know, enjoying time with them on a vacation or just together time. Uh, For other people, it can be the theater or opera. Uh, It can be just about anything. It's for me, baseball is a place where I feel truly free in all the best senses of the word. And so I want to talk a little bit about why that is for me today. Uh, But then also just have you be thinking about if baseball is not your thing. That's okay, but be thinking about what is your thing, right? And maybe as I describe it, you'll can maybe get a better better sense of what that is for you. Uh, but why am I talking about baseball and freedom today? Well, because it, it occurred to me over the last week since we spoke last that that you know freedom when it is fully appreciated or fully experienced is really the greatest thing out there. It's what we it's what we all really crave. It's what we all really want to be fully free in the moment allows for not just acceptance of that moment, but also being open to the possibilities of new things in the next moment. And uh, I was reminded of that earlier this, uh, this past week when I went to a baseball game, uh, pro, pro baseball game here in Seattle, and uh, the New York Yankees were in town, and uh, it was the game where the Mariners actually beat the Yankees. I'll, I'll leave that commentary off to the side. But nevertheless, uh, it was you're seeing one. Of, I was seeing one of the great franchises in all of sports uh, playing in the town. Yankees. The Yankees. Oh, Stacy had to jump in. The New, <laughs> the New Yorker had to jump in. We're not going to get into a battle between. <laughs> there's nothing to battle over between. That's a pastime. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as I was saying, <laughs> nice to see you, Stacy. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, no problem. You felt you had to defend the Yankees there I, for a minute, didn't I you? Really? Did. The Yankees don't need defending. They have 27 World Championships. The Mariners have none. There's nothing to defend. Whatever. There isn't. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. uh, (laughs) Anyway, seeing the seeing the Yankees in town, it it reminded me of all the reasons I love baseball in the first place. 
those of you who listen to this show for a long time know that I'm, I'm a historian by training, by background. And so things that have a deep history, I have an appreciation for. I do not root for the New York Yankees by any stretch of the imagination. However, I deeply respect them and I understand the importance of, of them to the history of baseball. In fact, baseball in large part became the national pastime, as it were, in large part because the Yankees uh, were so dominant, particularly in the first part of the 20th century, along with the New York Giants and the Brooklyn Dodgers and a few other teams. So I love the history of the sport, and the history of baseball is really interwoven into the fabric of American history. A lot of people don't really know this, but baseball was already incredibly popular and could have been called the national game by the time of the Civil War. There were over 91 professional baseball teams in the United States in 1861, and it was they weren't organized into the leagues like they are now, uh, and certainly they weren't as uh, central of draws for fans and, and that type of thing as they are now. But it was extremely popular. And so because of that, I've always enjoyed the, you know, the history of the game and how it connects to American history and all that. And I also played it. Uh, when I was young, I played baseball. I lived in Hawaii. And playing baseball was a time where I got to really connect with my friends. I had a lot of friends in different schools. And so uh, we all played on the same team most years. And so I always got to see them every day after practice and on weekends to play games. And it was a place for me where my confidence could be boosted. Uh, I, was, I was a very shy kid. I was a very sensitive kid. And oftentimes um, downplayed my own skills at things. But when I played baseball, I didn't think about any of those things. Soccer was similar for me in that regard. But, but baseball in particular, I loved it. And I loved how baseball encapsulated so much about a lot of what life is about, really. It's, it's when you're standing on the plate, it's you against the pitcher or the pitcher against you. And yet to play the game, you need other people. So you have one-on-one points of focus surrounded by other people having to do their part. There's something about that that I always liked. And I always liked the support I got from teammates and all of that. When I went to my first professional baseball game, it was actually a AAA baseball game in uh, Honolulu. There used to be a AAA uh, affiliate, I believe, of the Chicago White Sox uh, or the Pittsburgh Pirates. I can't remember which one. In Hawaii, the Hawaii Islanders, my dad took me to a game, and we had just been to Pearl Harbor and had seen the Pearl Harbor Memorial for the first time. And it was one of those moments that I remember very well. It's one of those important moments that got me interested in history in general, particularly of World War II. And, of course, it's Pearl Harbor, right? Big Navy ships and all this kind of stuff. For a seven-year-old kid, that was pretty cool. Then that same trip, my dad took me to a baseball game, and And they were playing that day, the Islanders, were playing the Spokane Indians, which at the time was the AAA affiliate of a brand new baseball team in Seattle, the Seattle Mariners. And I had no connection to Seattle whatsoever at the time. And uh, so I asked my dad, I said, you know, who's who are these teams connected to? And he told me and I didn't really know what I didn't really know either team having lived in Hawaii. And so uh, I remember the souvenir guy walking up like the old. Um, concessions guys used to do. They used to do it with souvenirs. And they came walking up and they had the pendants of, of both teams. And there was a Mariners pennant. And the Mariners had been in existence for about three years by this point. And they were not very good. <laughs> and and uh, it, was a, it was a trident M with a star around it. And I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what's a Mariner? And he said, well, that's another word for sailor. And I had just been to Pearl Harbor. And so I connected in my mind, Navy, Mariner, history, cool, and I said to my dad, I don't know where Seattle is, but that's my team now. And my dad, to give him credit, tried to warn me off. 
he said, you know, J.D., that, that they aren't very good. And I said, I don't care. I don't care. That's my team. And living in Hawaii, we didn't get a whole lot of box scores of the Seattle Mariners, who were usually in the basement of their division. And so I had to learn about the Mariners by bits and pieces. But that's how I became a Seattle Mariners fan, was through that. And so my own connection through my own personal history and that type of thing and having played the game. And so I followed the team and have followed the team ever since. And, of course, when I moved here you know, about 10 years ago, uh, it became a regular thing for me to go to baseball games. And I, I, I go to baseball games wherever I can, whenever I can, whether I'm in Seattle or whether I'm somewhere else. If I go to another city in the country, usually if it's in the summertime, I look to see if the local baseball team's in town or if there's a triple-A or a double-A or a single-A minor league team nearby because it's just something I like to do. <laughs> you know, I have friends who have kids who play baseball, and I like to go to their games because <laughs> like, there's just something about the sport that resonates with me deeply. And when I'm there, you know, I, it's really the only thing I'm focusing on. And those of you who listen to the show know I talk a lot about being present in the moment a lot. And when I'm at a baseball game, I don't want to be anywhere else. There's been this big push lately in, in baseball to try and shorten the length of games, and I'm wondering why. <laughs> you know, because if a baseball game goes four and a half hours – Great. I don't have to go home. I don't have to do it. I can keep watching baseball. Uh, that That's an okay thing for me. And so when I went to the game last week, and I went with two dear friends of mine who we always go when the Yankees come to town, because one of my friends, Jay, is from New York. And uh, so we always go, and my other friend, Steven, uh, is a Mariners fan, but you know, a hardcore baseball fan, guy who scores the game as you're sitting there watching it. And, and we always go. And last year, we couldn't. Major League Baseball had a truncated season. No minor league games were played. And, of course, no fans were allowed in the park. And so for the first time in years, uh, since I was seven, I'm pretty sure, I did not go to a baseball stadium. And when I, when I look back on the past year and a half with COVID, one of the things that I know I'm going to keep remembering is that I didn't see any baseball in person. And I felt its absence. And when I was back at the game the other day with my two close friends, uh, in the middle of the day, right, Thursday afternoon, I wasn't at work. You know, I was, I was enjoying it. It was a beautiful sunny day, and the home team won. I mean, it's about the best thing you can, best thing you can ask for uh, as a baseball fan. I thought about how much I missed it, and at various points, Jay and Steven and I were sitting there talking about how much we had missed it and enjoying being back together again and the freedom of all of it. We actually used that word. Hence how I arrived at today's, today's topic. Um, and again, baseball may not be it for you. It might be something else. But the more I thought about uh, baseball and freedom, uh, particularly my own sense of freedom when I'm there, it also connects to sort of the larger uh, history of, of the game in the United States. And, you know, no sport in American history has been tied so closely to America's social history and, and uh, development as a nation as baseball, right? There's, of course, the, the story of Jackie Robinson breaking the so-called color barrier to become the first black player in Major League Baseball in 1947. And that's one of the most important events, not just in baseball history, but you can argue in the history of the 20th century in America. Uh, it's, one of, it's one of the key roots of what would become the civil rights movement in the next couple of decades, and, of course, Robinson's own work in that, in that regard is, is well known. But even before that, uh, there were many uh, black Americans playing baseball for decades before 
Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947. And I th- I've been thinking about those guys a lot. Um, when I lived back east for a while, about 10 years ago, I lived near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Pittsburgh had two of the great uh, Negro League uh, teams of all time, the Pittsburgh Crawfords and the Homestead Grays, who played their heydays were the 20s and 30s uh, before the Second World War and before Jackie Robinson. And for a short period of time, the Homestead Grays had maybe the three best players of the Negro Leagues at the time playing on their team. Satchel Page, a pitcher who most everyone has heard of. Josh Gibson, a catcher uh, slash hitter who some called the Black Babe Ruth, who fewer people have heard of. And Cool Papa Bell, an outfielder considered maybe one of the fastest players and smoothest players to ever play baseball. And they played on the same team together. Uh, the Homestead Grays for three seasons. <laughs> and and these were covered by um, mostly black newspapers. But black newspapers in the 1920s and 1930s usually only published once a week or so, and so box scores of games were scarce. And so the history of the Negro Leagues, as opposed to Major League Baseball, which is extensively documented, Negro League Baseball was not nearly so much. And so a lot of the stories and a lot of the stats uh, that come from the Negro League days have not been able to be fully verified by historians the same way that they have been in Major League Baseball. Earlier this year, Major League Baseball, despite that, made the decision that they were going to bring in all the historical statistics from all the Negro League players as part of the official Major League Baseball story. And so pitchers like Satchel Page could have their records counted uh, as far as wins went uh, or strikeouts. Josh Gibson could have his home runs uh, count on the all-time list, right? Barry Bonds, of course, is at the top uh, today. Uh, Everybody remembers Babe Ruth had the initial record. Hank Aaron uh, broke it in 1973. But those Negro League stats now are being brought in, and those stories are now becoming part of the larger fabric of the history of baseball which goes side by side with a lot of the discussions going on about history of minorities in this country now being steadily brought more into public notice and into, for lack of a better term, I guess, the mainstream of historical consciousness. That effort is underway. And so in that sense, there's no sport that's more fitting to be a part of that than baseball. Because baseball, when it began in the 19th century, and and debates abound over actually where it started and who, right? The legend is that Abner Doubleday started it, and which he did not. Um, but nevertheless, that's those debates when they started, usually were later on when the when the sport had become so big that everybody was debating its roots. And because baseball brings up such feelings of nostalgia and joy in so many people, it is really prone to myth making. <laughs> And uh, that type of thing. So kind of looking back, remembering those things uh, has been a little suspect. But what is clear about it is that from its earliest beginnings, people who played baseball came from every part of American life. People in cities played it. People in towns played it. People in small villages in the middle of nowhere played it. People who were immigrants learned to play it. And so all Americans anywhere, for the most part, learned how to play this game and came to know it well. And when professional teams began to represent actual, you know, big cities like Cincinnati, Cincinnati has the first 
uh, professional big league team in American history, the sport became that much more popular. But it was a sport from the very beginning in the sense that everybody played it that gave it kind of this fabric of being uniquely American and something that Americans could agree on. Now, if you remember last week, I talked a little bit about Abraham Lincoln's uh, talk about virtue. And when he talked about freedom, he said, freedom cannot simply be just about self-interest. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But it can't just be about self-interest and self-interest alone. Underneath that self-interest, that ability of human beings to drive, for, for Americans to drive for what they wanted, there had to be shared values, shared virtues underneath that all Americans agreed upon. It was one of the key reasons why Lincoln believed strongly at some point the country would have to either get rid of slavery entirely, which he thought was morally right, or would have to go the other way. It simply could not try to have slavery in part of the country and not in another part because the country needed to be united on its principles. A country divided against itself cannot stand. Now, Lincoln fits in with this, with baseball in this discussion, actually. Um, but before we do that, <laughs> let's take a really quick break. And we'll come back and we'll talk about Abraham Lincoln in baseball and a little bit more about how this fits in with freedom. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back on this show. Is all about you. When giving presentations, do you feel nervous, worry you won't get your message across, or hold your listeners' attention? Storytelling is an essential business skill most people don't learn. Telling your story clearly, concisely, and with real connection is key because people respond to and learn from stories more than charts or spreadsheets. Find and finesse your story so you can share it effectively with executive storytelling coach Melissa Reeves of Story Fruition. Melissa offers individual coaching, workshops, and webinars that teach the ABCs of Tell Me More, Please. Go to www.storyfruition.com. This is Rob Bates, and I want you to tune in to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller, the show that brings joy from pain, sunshine where it rains. Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. And that's coming from me, Mr. It Takes Two, Rob Bates. Tune in. Do what Rob Bates says. Take a listen to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. That's me. Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on KKNW. To find out more information, check out my website, stacyconnects.com, or text D-A-M-T-T to 55678. Need help getting started with self-help? You came to the right place. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of This Show is All About You. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin, and we're talking about baseball and freedom. And I, I left off right before the break bringing up Abraham Lincoln, of all people, and, and probably not somebody that everybody associates with baseball, but nevertheless does have some ties to it. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of myth-making about the origins of baseball exist, uh, and Lincoln is, is a part of that story. There's a, there's a story that made the rounds in the years after Lincoln's assassination in 1865 that supposedly he sat up on his deathbed and said to Abner Doubleday, the supposed uh, inventor of baseball, do not let baseball die. The country needs it now more than ever. Well, that never happened. Abner Doubleday was not anywhere near Washington the day that Lincoln was shot. And Lincoln never regained consciousness when he was shot at Ford's Theater uh, on April 12, uh, 1865. But 
the larger historical consensus among historians is that is that Lincoln did enjoy baseball, both watching it and playing it. Uh, he was reported to have allowed uh, kids to play baseball games uh, on uh, the White House lawn, or with the version of baseball as it existed at the time, um, and occasionally watched it. And according to some of his close friends in politics, occasionally played in games, and they commented on how uh, how lanky he was and these great strides made him such a fast runner in the game. Uh, but the reason I, I'm bringing up Lincoln in this is not just because it's interesting, but because of that shared virtue idea. Baseball is a shared game. And ov- obviously it's not just popular here in the United States now. It's popular all over uh, various places in the world. It's very popular in Japan and in Korea. One of my dreams in life, my bucket list, is to go to Japan and, and see some Japanese uh, league baseball. It's also played uh, throughout Latin America. And in fact, many of the best players in Major League Baseball today uh, come from outside the United States. And so it's becoming more and more of a global game. But, but the appeal of it, of course, I think, is that is baseball can be played quite easily. <laughs> and it's uh, you need a stick, you need a ball, you need four flat things to put into a diamond shape, and you need something to catch with. You know, and there's stories of, of people in, for example, players in the Dominican Republic building uh, gloves out of old milk cartons right, to play. Uh, you can do that. It's one of the same reasons why uh, soccer or football, as most of the world calls it, uh, is popular as well. All you need is a ball and something to shoot at, <laughs> you, know, a, you know, a box. Uh, and so it can be played literally by anyone, anywhere. It's global sport in that way. Baseball is a lot like that, which means that it provides opportunities for people to connect with all the joys of the sport that I let off the show talking about. The ability to not only have fun, but the strategy of the game, right? Knowing, trying to figure out what the pitcher is going to throw, taking a look at the positions of the players on the field, seeing where you might want to try and hit the ball, knowing you might not be able to get it there at all. Uh, For me, what I notice is baseball is certainly a game of science and statistics, and it's also an equal part art. No two players play it exactly alike, and every player has to do all the same things. They have to bat, they have to throw, they have to run, they have to catch, but they all do it differently. (laughs) And each team is a collection of players that's unique every single year, at least at the pro level, and they have to learn how to work together as a team. So individual accomplishment and striving, working with other people, to me, it's, it's one of the things that makes baseball beautiful. And, of course, because there's so many games, 162 in a regular season in the pro level, uh, as they say, you can't get too up on the days you win and you can't get down too much on the days that you lose because the next day you've got, some, you've got another game to play. And in that sense, baseball can, can serve as a metaphor for life. And I think that's something that is a part of the American experience. We write movies about it. Uh, We have shows about it. Uh, There's all the legends of baseball around it. And in that sense, it really is a true expression of, I think, the joy that people get from the freedom they feel in playing it, watching it, uh, partaking in however however they want to. One of my favorite things about baseball, and I think a lot of people would say the same who love the sport as much as I do, is sitting in the crowd. A baseball crowd is a really chill crowd. It's not the same as going to a football game or a basketball game or a hockey game, as fun as those can be. Uh, everybody's there relaxing, 
enjoying the game, talking with one another. Uh, opposing fans, I love to talk to at baseball games uh, because you get these different perspectives on your own team, on their team. They're visiting your park, so you get to talk about your own your own hometown and your own home stadium. And you find these things that you have in common. And in a baseball stadium, when when the home team does something fantastic, people cheer. When they don't, <laughs> they might boo, they might groan, whatever the case may be. You know what they're not worrying about? All the stuff that the rest of the time <laughs> we all worry about in each other and we divide ourselves into pieces uh, for and against. You don't see any of that. There's community in baseball crowds. And, of course, because the game is slow-paced, and I don't think that's a bad thing, it gives people time to connect. It gives people time to talk. And as a friend of mine mentioned to me over the weekend, think about the Take Me Out to the Ball Game song, <laughs> Buy Me Some Peanuts and Cracker Jack. I don't care if I ever get back. <laughs> There's something about that feeling of ease and openness and freedom of being part of baseball, watching baseball, playing baseball, that I think can serve as a great, not just actual metaphor and historical uh, example for us of freedom, but that feeling, that sense that it can bring of inner freedom or kind of a sense of peace. That's how I feel at a ballpark. Uh, I think that's something that we can all seek and find. Maybe not in baseball. That's just the example I'm using. Maybe it's in something else. But it's there. And it has all those elements that involve things like personal enjoyment, (laughs) personal expression, connecting with other people, being a part of something, putting aside other differences for the sake of commonalities. All those things are what make baseball great and I think it's what continues to draw people to the sport despite all the ner- the nervousness make the game shorter make the games longer but the guys get paid too much despite all those questions people still get drawn to the sport it's incredibly romantic in that sense and incredibly sentimental in that sense and emotion laden in that sense and yet powerful because it's something that like a lot of sports in this country can be a unifier and can be a common thing that we all can connect to in some way, shape, or form. So I would encourage you to be thinking this week about what is your baseball as we move forward and talk a little bit more about freedom. Next week, I'm going to be coming to you from the road, and I'll let you know what that's going to look like next week. And so I'd like to thank you for uh, spending some time with me on this uh, yet another episode of This Show is All About You. Again, I'm your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find me at wordsbyjdk.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, so between now and next week, get out and see a baseball game if you haven't done it in a while. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, But until next week, wherever you are and whatever you do, chins up, everyone. 